Hi, I'm Haley, author of the book blog, Brook and Binding. I'm Maddie, upcoming debut author, and this is Lit Sis. Is not fulfilling your weekly book-related needs? <gasps> I know. How dare you. So sad. If you're like Haley and I, then you love books, which means you love to read. And sometimes podcasts are great, but it's not as great as reading. And if you want to be on the in with the people who you're listening to, aka us, us. you can reference our bookstagrams. At Maddie Reads a Lot is mine. And at Brook and Binding is mine. Or if you really want to know in-depth reviews, you can go to Haley's WordPress, which is brookandbinding.wordpress.com. Where I reference all the books that I personally read or talk about, my rating, the synopsis of the book, and why I gave it the stars that I did. But if you like to read but not that much, you can go to Maddie Reads a Lot, where I write one little sentence about the book that I read and a small rating. And... Also, keep enjoying LitSys. Yes, and share LitSys, share our bookstagrams, and just share the book love. Happy Friday, listeners! Happy Friday! Oh my gosh, I can't believe it's Friday. It's finally Friday. You know, I do have a funny story about what is your funny story today? Okay, so the thing is, I. Okay, so I have a friend who's actually graduating from dentistry school today, and it's so exciting. She's going to be an orthodontist. So, so proud of her. She's worked so hard. And so earlier this week, I messaged her, and I said, oh, my gosh, happy graduation day. Have an awesome weekend. This is going to be so fun for you. And she was like, oh, thanks so much. It's Official graduation isn't until Friday, but thank you so much. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, yep. You're right. It's only Thursday, but you know, have a good time. And then I realized, wait a second, it's actually only Wednesday. No. So I had to message again. I messaged all of this out and then I say, well, have a great graduation in two days on Friday. And and then I was like, nailed it. Amazing. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I, I live for that kind of uh, of stuff, that kind of failure. Hi, baby. But the funny thing is, I was just so, like, I knew, like, earlier, I had, like, I I just knew it was Wednesday, because I, earlier I had taken pictures of my kid for, like, a weekly update thing, and, like, maybe 20 minutes earlier on, like, in the night, I had shown the pictures I, I had taken to Max, and so it's not like, I didn't realize it was Wednesday. I just forgot it was Wednesday. Like, I just completely, like, it went right over my head. And I thought, oh, maybe it is only, maybe it is Thursday. And I was like, wait a second. It's not Thursday. It's Friday. It's Friday. It's Wednesday. Oh, my gosh. No, I definitely have had those moments, especially in quarantine, of just being like, um, I, like, just thinking it's, like, one day and it's actually not. I think it's later in the week than it is because I feel like the days just go by so slow sometimes. Yeah, I but, get that. But it's Friday now. Um, Finally. Glad you realized that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that means that we are going to be discussing our part two of books like classics. Yes. Instead of ones that we think are written like ones, we think these are ones that will become a classic in the sense of like may be like talked about for ages as being a really good book in their area of literature or being constantly highly talked about. So like these are the books that nec- like like these are like why classics are classics is because they've kept being in they keep being in like the the public eye and everyone keeps recommending them over and over again. They don't get forgotten. Yeah. Thus that's why classics have gotten like a general like why we were able to say like these books like write like classics because like back in the day a lot of the most popular books became classics were written like that but now we're talking about what could be modern classics mm-hmm. and we have quite a few on the list I think majority are ones that like we each have read at in some way or another like we each have both read them together you know what I'm yeah. saying um, but there are a few that kind of like last time where it's only I've read or only you've read um, and we can kind of go through that as we talk them out. But yeah, I really hope you guys are liking this little mini series of these two episodes because it's been really fun for us to to kind of dive into like our old um, like the list of books that we've read. And I know, like we said, that like these are just based off books that we have both read, you know. And I know there are plenty out there that people will be like, oh, but you didn't include this one because that one totally would be. Maybe we've not read that one. So if you have any recommendations, please let us know or like comments or suggestions like, oh, they should have included this because this is 100% for sure, you know, going to be a classic someday. But maybe we just haven't mm-hmm. read it. So we don't know. Like, we are, yeah, Stephen we're totally King, willing to read. there's for sure going to be a Stephen King classic out there. I mean, they're already considered classics, really. But I mean, like The Shining, it would probably be considered like the classicest. Yeah, the classic, so, the classicest, the classicest. But like, I mean, like, like Haley said, like we're always looking for new books to read. Haley and I both read on average like around ten books a month. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> not this month. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Um. So we are really always open. Hi, baby. We're really always open to reading more books and just uh, finding new things to read because you know it can get boring figuring out by yourself sometimes. Oh yeah. Um. So. Without further ado, I'm going to discuss the first two books together. Oh, actually, no. Yeah. No. No, we'll talk about the very first book together because it's actually the book that Haley is currently reading, uh, which is The Goldfinch by Donna Tartt. Yes. So now I don't have to say at the end what I'm reading because obviously this is what I'm reading. Uh, I am reading The Goldfinch, Donna Tartt. It is a hefty read, I will say. It's been a while since I've read a very large book. Um over I would say over 400 pages this is 700 pages almost 800 pages it's been a very long time since I've read a book that long um and I so I think that's why I'm saying I won't be able to read 10 books this month because this one book is taking me like almost a week already and I'm like halfway or less through it so Mm -hmm. it's just it's been it's been a journey but yeah I, I can definitely see so far, um, it's gotten a lot of attention. It has um, a movie that's been made out of it. It just has a lot of really interesting. Um, I mean, you've read it. You probably could speak yeah, more yeah, about yeah. it than me. Like the reason I think that the Goldfinch will be a classic is that one, it is in a very classic location. Oh my goodness! <laughs> what? He does not agree, um, but it's. <laughs> 
it is partially based in a very classic location in New York City. Um, and then it just kind of goes through a, it's a, a coming of age story. And like, what is a classic if not Catcher in the Rye? Oh, you know? like yeah. A, like a classic coming of age story. There are so many think- classics that you can think of that are like people coming into their own or, or going through some form of journey in their own life. And it's not just mm-hmm. like, this is an event, but it's like a lot of personal growth stuff. So I yeah, can definitely and, see that. And the main character, his name's what, Theo? Yeah. Theo, he goes through what is considered to be, like, a traumatic experience um, in which he loses the life of his mother. And we all love a character with mother issues. Um, and he basically then uh, gets involved in the world of art and art theft and how that begins to unravel his life and impact it um, over several, several years. Um, you just kind of get to see how, like like this will just stand the test of time because you get to see like the life of a the life of a person who goes from normal to completely different over the course of their lives because of one set incident and again, I'm right when I talked about um uh, after getting yet where it's seeing the way that a character is impacted through a vitally a, a vital experience in their life um, oh yeah. And so it it definitely it could have been we could have put it in as a written like a classic as well, but I think this one more just has this general it's going to be a classic no matter what. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily have the like I mean there's like elements of why it it has like like we were saying like there's elements of it that remind us of classics, but I don't think when I read it I feel like I'm picking up a piece of classic literature. But I do feel like I'm picking up a piece of very well written, unlike mm-hmm. a normal piece of fiction that I would pick up on a regular basis. I think that's why it's taking me a long time too, because it's just a lot hef- like heftier and heavier, and it's something you have to really pay attention to. Um, and we also talked about this before, where it's not a ton of dialogue; it's a lot of just his internal thoughts. And so that's like what we were saying. There's a lot of um, more modern books are just all dialogue heavy but good classic has a lot of you know internal dialogue or descriptors so i can definitely feel that in this book so the next book is a little life and i cannot think of the author's name right now i know don't mean go look really quick yeah go look real fast running down my hallway you just leave your child Uh uh-huh to my bookshelf he's just in his room a little life by hanya Yanagihara by Hanya Yanagihara so that is definitely a very horrible pronunciation of a person's name that's fine I think he's (laughs) Japanese um so it's probably way cooler sounding actually not really yeah check the check the back of the book I'm pretty sure when I was reading I realized the author was a girl I totally thought this was written by the like by the person that's like on the cover no it's not a true story uh, let me see. Let me look through the pages. Why don't you just look to the very back? I'm trying. We are not together today, as you can tell. Um, there's acknowledgments. No. Doesn't what say. Author, what about an author picture on the very back? There's no the back author picture. And there's no, like, blah 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 was born blah 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 no interesting but it is a man 
a National Book Award finalist, Man Booker Prize finalist, and Man. a winner of a Kirkus Prize. No, the book. Oh. Okay, cool. Praise. Anyway. Wait, wait, wait. No. Whoever this person is. It just says, Hanya Yanagihara lives in New York City. Literally, that's all it says. So mysterious. Whoever this person is. I mean, anyway. I'm sure we could look it up on Goodreads, but who's got time for that right now? Yeah, true. Okay, so anyway, A Little Life, the reason I say it's going to be a classic um, is because, one, you can tell how many book awards it's won, and two, it is very similar to The Goldfinch, in which it is uh, a, a various tragic events that happen to a group of friends um, as they're growing up, and you get to see them through their life. Um, and I'm going to just bring in another book right now just to say how much it reminds me of it. But Hearts of Visible Furies by John Boyne. Again, my favorite book, A Little Life and Hearts of Visible Furies are so, so similar in um, their themes and some of the big events that they kind of talk about um, and the fact that they go through people's lives. Um, I just see parallels with them all the time. And so both of them in my mind will become classics just because they take like I said, like a very strong, difficult event and moves throughout someone's life to see the way they're impacted by it. And one of the characters in A Little Life, I won't say who, has had a very traumatic childhood that gets unraveled throughout the book. And that to me just like screams classic because there's so many books that are, here is um, a seemingly normal person's life, except boom, here's all the things that are wrong with them. Yeah, and, and then you're like, they ouch. And then you're like, oh my gosh. Okay. I can never so, look at you the same character. And I definitely think like that kind of writing trope is really well it's really uh it's really done a lot in what, what I would consider modern classics. Like I think there's Excuse there's, you. There's many ways classics can go, but like the whole tragic backstory growth into a new type of person is most often used in these modern classics. Oh, definitely. Definitely, 100%. Well, I think this next book, a lot of people will say, the next two books I'm going to throw together, if you don't mind. Yeah, go um, for it. We've got two World War II classics. Well, going Woo! to be classics. Uh, I feel like these books are very well known. Even if you're not like a book nerd person, you've probably heard of these books. So we've got The Book Thief by Mark Marcus Zuzak. Mm-hmm. And The Nightingale by Kristen Hanna. Two and amazing books. They both are, like, they're both World War II, but they're both set in different times. Um, excuse you. We are just very exploring right now, everybody. We are at the stage of development where we want to go everywhere and grab things that we're not supposed to and explore. So... If you hear lots of things moving around in the background or my child making fun sounds, that is what's happening. Trying to save save him from getting into something nasty. Okay. Anyway, sorry about that. So the Book Thief and Nightingale are set in two different areas. Um, we've got um, Germany, World War II, in the mindset of a little girl. And Book Thief. And then in Nightingale, we've got World War II France and these two sisters. Um, and it's just really, they're just both 
they both highlight different aspects of World War II in such a beautiful way that you really feel like you get a glimpse into a part of history that you maybe not would not have or you've maybe not explored before or it's not been talked about that much before. Um, I don't know why we are so talkative this morning. <laughs> my goodness, he's got a lot to say about the books. Oh my word, he's so adorable. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, do you have anything you want to say about that, Matt? I just feel like they yeah. both encompass, like, you know, you're not going to see, like, you don't see, besides Boy in Striped Pajamas, um, you don't see kids' perspectives of what's been happening. And then, like, I know there's a lot of things based in France, but, like, there's something really specific that happens in Nightingale that is talked about that I believe is, like, based on true, like, fact. It is. So, yeah, why don't you divulge that a little bit? Yeah, well, I'll just, I'll just, I don't want to give anything away in the Nightingale, but look, I think the important thing about the Nightingale that it shows is it shows the two, like, two ways that people responded to the war. So, like, with the two sisters, one of the sisters, the younger one is very much like, I want to be a part of the resistance and I'm going to go out there and help people. And the other sister kind of, like, holds, like, the house and is, um, is kind of, is forced to do some things that are, like, a little unsavory. Um, but she, she has the responsibility to keep things like sturdy, which I feel like you hear all the time when it comes to war, like, like the men go to the war and the women stay by and like the economy like booms because of the war because people are working. Um, and a similar thing happens here, but it's two sisters when one sister goes out to fight and another one stays back. And so I think just getting that dichotomy of, uh, of point of view really helps to make the, the books stand out so much mm-hmm. um, versus other books that are similar maybe just have like one view I know The Girl You Left Behind by Jojo Moyes kind of only inhabits the view of a uh, one girl that is kind of like doing similar things to the older sister in Nightingale which is like holding on the front of the house and yep. you don't really get much more of a view than that Yeah, and in The Book Thief what I think is so special with The Book, book Thief is you don't get books in the perspective of an Aryan girl who is hiding a, a Jewish person in her house yeah like, that just doesn't happen like there's so many books again like that are focused on concentration camps and things like that which is very important and needs to be talked about but very few books besides the diary of Anne Frank are focused on what it's actually like hiding someone in your home and the book thief looks at that and not in the perspective of the person hiding but in perspective of someone who can walk freely and has to live with this secret and so it looks at both the strain of the person in hiding and the person who's lying. Um, and I just think, especially, like I said, from the perspective of a little girl, especially in a time like this, it just gives off these these vibes that, like, both of them aren't written in a way that's like, oh, yes, this is a classic where it's, like, difficult to read and a lot of analogies. And, like, like, like I mean, they're both written well, but they both inhabit this sort of alternate perspective that is what classics were meant to do classics were meant to show a like a different view of society um in order to broaden people's minds yes he agrees with me he does agree with you that's a really good point definitely Thank you. um the funny thing is i'm looking at our list and two books that we've already well one that popped in my head but there's a few books on the rest of the list that are going to do really well of like connecting with some stuff that we've already talked oh, about yes, so I see them. yeah Hooray! would you like to bring those ones up sure so one of them is here's the taffy one of them is um uh where is it 
Hearts Invisible Furies. Hearts Invisible Furies. Maddie just referenced that yeah. in regard to A Little Life. And that book, like she said, there's very, very similar. Um, goes through the life of someone and their journey. And I know she's talked about this book before. It's not like a new book that if you no. listen to our podcast, you've, you've heard this book brought up. Um, but goes through this person's personal journey, their growth, just like the struggles that they've gone through and like how their environment around them like affects them personally and um, their just the things that they have to go through in their life. Um, so I would say hearts is the biggest one for a little life. And then there's one more on here. Um, oh, actually two on here, but more so just do the one. Um, Tattoos of Auschwitz, mm-hmm. which is also a perspective of World War II that we don't really ever hear about. You know, actually, people like this true story about the man who was in Auschwitz and and had um, had to tattoo his fellow Jews, honestly, and the and his love story of the woman that he eventually married. Spoiler alert, but not really. Um, <laughs> that he met in Auschwitz. Oh, big boy. Come here. You want to hold you me? Hold you? Come. <laughs> but anyway, so those are the two that I would say. Uh, is there anything else that you think that would connect with what we've already talked about? I mean, I just want to also point out about hearts, not to bring it up again, but similar to Brook <laughs> Thief and the Nightingale, where I talked about how it offers like an alternate perspective. Hearts yep. does that as well. It offers, it broadens your mindset, and I've said it over and over again. But there's another book I'm surprised you didn't mention, but maybe I just don't know enough about it, but isn't Sarah's Key set in the same time? Yes, I was going to bring it up, but I just decided not to. Sarah's Key, I can't remember who wrote it. I could go look on my bookshelf. Um, But Sarah's Key is based in World War II as well. I don't remember if it's in England... Oh, where is it? Maybe France. Hold on. I'm going to go look at my shelf. Guys. I'm going to go look at my shelf. Down my hallway yet again. Okay, here we go. Don't have to go as far this time. Sarah's Key by Tatiana de Rosny. Or Rosny. Okay. Rosny. Paris, July 1942. Sarah, a 10-year-old girl, is taken with her parents. You have to read this to remind you what's about. Door-to-door arresting Jewish families. Uh Uh-huh. In the middle of the night. Desperate to protect her younger brother, Sarah locks him in a bedroom cupboard, their secret hiding place, and promises to come back for him as soon as they are released. I'm pretty sure you can know where that's going to go, let's just say. (laughs) So it's essentially about, yeah, this girl and her family. But the cool thing is, it also ties in um, in the future. So what it says is after that, it has the July 1942 Paris. And then it says, 60 years later, Sarah's story intertwines with that of Julia Jarmond, an American journalist investigating the Roundup. In her research, Julia stumbled onto a trail of secrets that link her to Sarah and to questions about her own interesting. So you get these two perspectives of what's going on with the little Sarah in 1942, and then you get perspective of the journalist. So that's really interesting. And then you get to see how the two tie together and you find out what happened to her brother lots of things like that so another world war ii perspective i just think it's a book that was recommended to me and i just feel like it it could potentially be a classic because there's a lot of like undertones of things and um you could just analyze it a lot i feel like um 
it just feels like and I think there was a movie made out of it but or there is going to be one I don't remember but yeah just something that it's just I feel like like we were talking about I feel like these classics are things that just don't go away Mm -hmm. like people keep talking about them they're not just like going away of like oh yeah that was a good book but what was that like oh I haven't talked about it for two years I oh no this book keeps coming up you know to read for me like years ago so like I don't even know what year mm-hmm. it came out, but like I remember in high school, I added my to read pile, and like I just I've always remembered seeing yeah. it. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, awesome. So, yeah. so this next book Haley has read that is historical, but I have not read. So we'll see what she has to say about it. Yeah. So this next book is called The Red Tent, um, and it is essentially it's like a historical biblical book. Um, where it talks about a, um, it talks about some classic, I won't, I won't necessarily go into all the details for everybody, but it talks about some classic, um, biblical characters and this guy's daughter who, um, which I don't think is accurate. I think she's fictional, uh, or no, 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 she is referenced, but like the, the story, the, the, it is fiction. So it's a piece of fiction, but it's. A lot of it is based in biblical, um, biblical times, uh, based on the biblical times and um, like a, an event that does happen in the Bible at some point. Um, but it just it's a book that was also recommended to me. And it really has. I just I just love as we know, I've talked about like with Cersei, but I just love how um, you can get to know a character and the part that maybe you know of their story is so small but they were around other stories that you recognize mm-hmm. as well yeah, yeah, yeah that makes sense so like that happens with this book as well and um I think her name is Diana or Diana it's very it's pronounced or it's um written a little differently but um she I believe ends up like marrying gets um no she gets like stolen from it's been a while since I've read it, but she gets like stolen from a camp or something like that, and um, like people die and there's like revenge and stuff like that. That's like her main point in the Bible story, but it's like about you also get to hear about like her dad and her mother and like um, the red tent is essentially a place where all the women go when they are on their time (laughs) and um it's just like essentially it's like a a center of community and gossip kind of of just a place where all the women can connect and talk together without having all the boys around i would love that place so it's just yeah it's just where they so so the main story is just her growing up and having her family and and like i said like there's a you get to see the part that you recognize like you're like oh yeah that that's like where her actual main story I've heard of comes in but you get to experience lots of other things as well with her. Yeah, that's you know really interesting and also a little bit more accurate in light of some other recent uh publications oh yeah that sound similar <laughs> I was wondering if you wanted to bring that I'm up not, not gonna point fingers at any particular book However, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm just leave it at that. People are trying to turn okay. uh, biblical and historical events into fiction in a way that's not an accurate portrayal of fiction. Like you can fictionalize something and it still be like, oh, that could have been, that could have happened. And you can fictionalize something and it be like, 
that literally no way that that happened and there is a book yeah. that is boob bladder right now so and so moving on yes um i'm gonna combine these three books because one of them is already kind of combined together because of similar things but um another one is hannah has um very similar themes so i'm gonna just discuss really fast the night circus by aaron morgenstern as well as the two series game of thrones and harry potter which we have talked about those endlessly oh yes oh i never said who wrote the red pen oh, yes. i'm sorry it is um anita where is it anita diamond maybe that's why i was thinking that the girl's name oh, that is could have diana been. Anita Diamond. Sorry. Okay, anyway, so the Night Circus. Sorry if you hear noises. I'm trying to kill a bug on my ceiling. Um, so this feels like I'm overseas again, killing animals. Animals, but like <laughs> that was such a crazy, was crazy episode. episode. I don't remember which one that is, but if you go back to sometime in June, listener, there's an episode where there's a giant bug. <laughs> oh my god, it blew away! No. Yes. <laughs> I want to kill it. It's in my room. Okay. Um, so, Trash. The Night Circus. Um, talk about endlessly. I finally reread it this year, I think, or last year. Finally got to reread one of my favorite books, but it has this mystical, uh, magical quality to it about a competition between um, these two magicians um, and the fact that they utilize a circus as their playing field, basically, um, and use various. Mm. As I thought you were gonna say, as their playground. <laughs> no, but like, <laughs> basically, they're just using their magic to try and one up each other with more mystical and beautiful things that they can put in the circus, which is so beautiful and so well written. And I just don't know why it's not like been actualized yet into a movie or TV show, but maybe it's just because it's too perfect, you know? Oh yeah. So like, it just it just is so. It's just so ahead of its time, I guess, and so original. Like, we've read at least one book I can think of after that that has a similar premise. And I still always compare yes. things to The Night Circus. It's 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 what I compare it all to. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's super, super interesting and very well done, for sure. I feel like it would be analyzed so well, uh, or it mm-hmm. can be analyzed so well, and just the yeah, the descriptors are like any, any, are unlike anything else, really, besides that one series that you're referencing. But um, no, it's just very unique. And I, I could see it being something where um, it's kind of like a hidden gem. Yeah. Honestly. It's like this little hidden gem where it's like, oh, if you know of it, then you know. But if you don't know, I mean, I then think you I... should know. But it's not like you're going to, like, jump out and shout across the rooftops. Everyone needs to read yeah, this Yeah, it's book. special. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's like a little special book. It's like a, maybe like a bluest eye oh, yeah. or something like that, where it's like a little hidden gem where it's like, this is a but, classic, but it's not yeah, but it's for not everybody. Solid, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, but it's not yeah, I, for sure. And I've said this before, I'm pretty sure, but whenever I go to a bookstore, rip when I could have done that. Um, but... <laughs> rip when I could <laughs> back when I could go to bookstores freely whenever I would if I randomly talk, start talking to another human being I will always recommend the night circus to them and like at least two people have purchased it after talking to me about it so I like to say uh-huh. I'm a person uh, okay so then how are you going to combine Game of Thrones and Harry Potter to the night circus well they all kind of have like a magical or mystical world in 
fantasy, fantasy world, in them. world. So like the way that like the Night Circus and Harry Potter have more of like a direct. It's more of like Night Circus to Harry Potter and then Harry Potter to Game of Thrones because Night Circus and Harry Potter are both yeah. magic within the realm of normal life. So like the idea that magic exists in our normal world but is reserved for the few and has beautiful magical qualities and then Harry Potter to Game of Thrones because they are both long series that have a huge fan base and I don't think that that is going to go away anytime soon like I yeah, think I like other series have had huge fan bases like I, like the Hunger Games and like Twilight but like I'm thinking like Star Wars, like movies. I'm going like Star Wars and well, Lord I mean, of the Rings, like those things for sure. I know Lord of the Rings is okay, um, but like those are already those classes. are already <laughs> classics. Like they've made it through. We should have like a criteria of like if you can make it more than thirty years and people still talk about your series. Oh, that yeah, would be interesting. Then, like, then you're a classic. Um, because like I mean, but you still like if you go online, there will still be like which Star Wars character are you like quizzes. Like, people still genuinely care about it. Or, like, celebrate... Also, Star yeah. Wars are books, And so. celebrate, like, May the Fourth Be With You. Like, it's very mm-hmm. important to a lot of people. And so, I think, like, things like Hunger Games has kind of, like, had its end. Like, the... Once the movies kind of came out, like, the... It, everything kind of just fizzled and, like, the fan base kind of felt quiet. But Harry Potter is still going strong constantly. Um, as Game of Thrones. I think Game of Thrones had the benefit of becoming an HBO series, right? HBO, and so like yeah. it, it had several seasons long where it lasted for many years, um, and that's kind of similar to Harry Potter, where it's like Harry Potter had several movies, and so it was almost as if every episode, every season of Game of Thrones was like a separate movie, um, in the context of like comparison to Harry Potter. I just think mm-hmm. having like a long standing fan base, like that's all you really need. Like there's long standing fans of of Shakespeare and that is why we still read Shakespeare you know classics is really just like having people really like it and continuously talk about it forever which is totally what Game of Thrones and Harry Potter are up to I definitely agree I like that comparison and I think these next two books are going to be remembered more for their controversy and just the their application to modern life in this time and age instead of um, just like, oh, this is a really fun series. This is like, oh, in this time of history, you know, these two books really captured, yeah. you know, some issues that we were yeah, struggling I mean, with. Yeah, to capture what we really mean by classics are like disrupting the normal narrative of life. Yep, for sure. And so those two are <laughs> Small Great Things by Jody Pickold and American Dirt by Janine Cummins. So with Small Great Things, we have um, more of like a, it's more like legal, it's a legal crime, and not legal crime book, but it's based on a true story of a um, African-American nurse who is working on a child and the family are white supremacists and they do not want the child to be like they do not want her to touch or help their child and um in a split second decision she has to decide okay this actually this child is having an issue and no one else is around am I going to help this kid or you know like 
like I should as a nurse, or am I going to respect what the parents ask? And that split second decision actually creates a whole mess. And um, she ends up having to go to court because she gets sued and like all these things. And so it's just, it brings up a lot of racial issues um, and just conversation in a really very like grown up way instead of just like instead of just like noise out there it's like conversation and like condensed information does that make sense yeah that totally makes sense and like I remember what's the other book that you read like afterwards oh yeah fun age we compared so much between the two of them because you yeah. just felt like such a fun age just like totally missed the mark on what they were trying to do and small girl oh, yeah. was like so on top of everything and so on point about trying to um trying to just like just, just discuss the racial uh disparity between people and the fact that it is still so so much part of people's decision processes and their prejudices um and so I really think that that is, I mean, it, it's it's like a classic piece that is rocking the narrative of what we're normally living in, and especially right now, May 8th is Ahmaud Arbery's birthday, and if you have been anywhere um, on the internet the past few days, you've noticed that his story sure. is popping up, I think, more than ever, we've realized that things like small great things are happening still today. Like, I knew that that was but we have noticed even more in the past few days just how frequently people are still being discriminated against and people are still um, having to face issues that could take their life or affect their life um, even in today. And their livelihood. And still today, yeah. not just in literature and not just in the past. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then American Dirt, though, is talking about, the, which we've done quite a few episodes about this book. Yes. Um, but talking about just um, like the immigration issues that are going on in America and just like the um, caravans of people coming up from um, along like the Mexican border. And it talks about a mom and her son as they're trying to escape a drug cartel in Mexico um, and trying to reach safety in America. And I feel like this is a very timely book um, and it just, again is something that like is happening in the now and I feel like it's going to be these two books in particular are going to be books that people look back on and they're like oh so that's what Mm -hmm. is going on this is like a you know this is maybe not 100% accurate description you can't say that this is because it's not like a non they're both not nonfiction, but they're based on you know people doing research and maybe a true story but with some liberties you know what I mean that it's like oh this is a a painting or description of something that was happening at this time and this is like a glimpse into the world that you know that was happening in the you know in America at this time or in the in the you know in the yeah I mean this is back in the like allegory animal farmer you kind of give an illustration as to what life was like you know yes without actually straight up saying Hey, Stalin yeah. is bad. <laughs> so they're doing both really good things, I think, and will continue. I definitely like they could, especially American Dirt. I hope gets a surge of popularity and praise, even if it's not for years and years and years. Yeah, the small great things has been out for a few years. It's a it's a book that was recommended to me by a few people, so it's not like that one um, is not 
unheard of. Um, but American Dirt did just come out this year. So hopefully it will get some resurgence of people realizing the heart behind the book and not just people being upset yeah. about it. Um, so this next book I'm going to discuss because I'm the only one who's read it. But it's Perks of Being a Wallflower by Stephen Chopsky or something. Chopsky. Can't ever pronounce his last Chopsky. name. Um, Okay, Um, but we've discussed this book actually in what would be considered um, one of the best book to movie adaptations because he was on Mm -hmm. the writing team and honestly I think a lot of people don't even realize that this is a book like they think of the movie Um, but this this being a book brings me back to like Goldfinch and A Little Life where it's a coming of age story where the main character has sort of a traumatic past that comes out later in the book and you realize through um, like the friendships that he makes and everything that affects his life, how much um, how much he's been he's been growing and how much he'd been broken before. Um, yeah. I think it just does a great yeah. job because it's 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 like the ultimate YA book where it is silly and goofy and looks at real genuine life, but also looks at some of the hard things. Like not everybody in their life is going to go to a high school party and get like really drunk and stuff like that. But there might be someone out there who did, and there might be someone out there who went through some of the trauma that uh, the character, I think his name is Charlie, went through as a kid. That's so interesting. I love that you said it's like essentially like a quintessential YA novel. Like I, I've not ever thought of it that way, and it makes me want to just read it. I know it's not that big of a book. Yeah, it's it's very small actually. I think I own it somewhere. Probably, you probably do. Are we down to our last book? Well, I would say you're a little bit more passionate about this book than me. I really, really like it. I think in your top three for a while, I don't know if it still is, but um, you feel very passionate about this book. So why don't you go ahead and and talk about it? Um, Yeah, so Water for Elephants um, is what we're going to be talking about by Sarah Gruen. Um, I, we haven't talked about this book as much as I wanted to, um, but Water for Elephants just kind of, in my mind, has always been just this very beautiful, beautifully written book, but also beautifully expressed book. It has to do with, um, uh, it goes between elements of storytelling of the, of the future going back into the past and has to do with, um, in my some of the things it has to do with is like an unhappy marriage. It has to do with affair. It has to do with, again, similarly coming of age, as well as all of this is in the backdrop of a circus with a elephant that has a very interesting, um, very interesting communication style. Um, and it just, to me, just feels like one of the most perfect books. Like I remember finishing it and just feeling like it had haunted me. Like I kept thinking about it and I could mm-hmm. kind of let it go. And, like, I don't even think I read anything for, like, a week because I was just always just, like, oh, my gosh, like, that book just kind of hit me in all these places um, because it just does deal with all these various different um, elements. And, like, it has it's, it's just based in, like, the 1940s or something. Um, and, I mean, I read it a super long time ago, but I think it just kind of exhibits a lot of what I would consider to be, like, memorable writing as well as a memorable story. And it yeah. is a movie, um, which is always helpful in keeping things immortalized yeah definitely I really like I really liked the book when I read it as well it is definitely very haunting um there is a lot that is talked about and it does have just a lot of the elements of just a good 
piece of literature. It really does. Like you said, it touches on lots of different things like marriage, affair. It talks about like Mm -hmm. abuse as well. Um, There's a lot of different things that um, it can feel dark, but there's also light. There's romance. There's the joy of like the elephant. She is so cool and so like, it's just, yeah, I love Um, stories. Oh, the best. Obviously. (laughs) But yeah, it's, it's a really great book as well. And yes, it is a movie. So. Um, but obviously we always recommend books always. prior to, well, not always, um, most well, of the time. I feel like there are a few times. Yeah. Most of the time. Most yeah. Of the time. Well, we already know what you're reading Haley. It's remind us one more time. The Goldfinch by Donna Tart. And I'm hoping to have it finished this week so I can read something yeah, else. You can do. Sake. I really believe in you. Ugh, it's just, I got to find the time to do it. This little guy, as you guys have heard, keeps me busy. I'm constantly having to pick up games or toys and play and, you know, stay at home mom like yes. people. It's great, but of it keeps course. you busy. Keeps you busier than I think people realize. Yeah. So, All right. So, Maddie, what so are you I reading? I am reading Perfect by Cecilia A. Hearn, which I'm in my series okay. month, which means that I'm reading the second and third and fourth of books that I just put off for too long. That's what this is. Yes, that is I read very God accurate. Probably like three or four years ago, and you let me borrow yeah. Perfect three or four years ago, and I have not given it back. I've not read it yet, but now yeah. I'm reading it. So, and do you want to tell people a little bit yeah. about well, what it is? About, like, what about flawed? So, flawed is about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guild. And there's this girl named Celestine, and you're basically meant you are supposed to be as perfect as possible, and if there's like physical or uh, flaws or if you have like you're going against the government and stuff like that then you're considered flawed but you really want to not be flawed um, and so it just kind of goes through Cecilia kind of basically tells a big lie and just how all of that affects and changes her life I think you like also unless it just happens to this character but I think when you do something that is quote unquote not perfect or flawed um, I think you get like a, a physical, physical brand of an egg like, on your body. A brand of yeah, of in in the location what that represents what kind, what kind of, of like flaw that you Yeah. Yeah. Very, very interesting. interesting. And I'm honestly getting into perfect. I'm remembering the characters, which I didn't think I would. So it's been pretty cool. I know, you're like describing the whole like first book and like dang like, she I really remember. remembers a lot like, about I this. tried to find a summary and I couldn't yeah. find one. I just remembered. Yeah, so that is what I'm reading, and we'll come back to you next week with a new episode. Can't wait to discuss more with you. Um, So thanks for taking a break from reading. Now go flip some pages. This book, but I know that this is like, was in your top three, if not, if not anymore, I don't think, but. Oh my goodness. My oh my. Oh my goodness. We bang. Oh no. Oh. Oh. You can flag this part if you want. Are we okay now? Hold on. Yeah, so I'll just back up and say something again really quick, okay? We have to hurry. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Okay. I know this book was, 